Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1. All right. Well, every Thursday we have a show called Ask Brian, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Time. And each week we discuss something about business. And every time we start the show, people are always asking, why is Brian spelled with an E, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N? They think that maybe my name is O'Brien and, you know, Maybe, you know, they've seen me at the pub or something, or, you know, O'Brien's pub. And But Tracy, give us some reasons why Brian is spelled with an E. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, my name is Peter. Why isn't it called Ask Peter? And my name is Tracy that's spelled with an I, so we can't even make sense out of that. No, right. no, and and that's actually the first, in, that's the first initial of our guest today, but go ahead. Oh, even better. <laughs> The way we want to start this out, because I am smart enough to know that the first E we should always mention, always, no matter what, is our engineers. (laughs) Because without engineers, we would not have the Ask Brian radio show. And Hold on. What about, hold on. I don't know. With (laughs) with all these AI concepts coming out there, I think it's going to be a very short period of time that we'll just use AI. No, 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 don't say that. That's not true. You can never totally take the human element out of engineering and still expect to have a show that happens without errors. Because we don't use that E very often because we don't make very many errors. We also are a positive show. Yes, we are. Very. And, okay, so (laughs) here's the other most important E. They're all important, but our two most important ones I'd like to cover first and the second one is our experts, because <laughs> on the Ask Brian radio show, we interview experts. And experts, by most people's definition, or at least in all the business books that you read and study in school, is that you need to have 10,000 hours in your specific industry or field in order to be considered an expert. And that mathematical formula typically works out as, 52 weeks a year, take a couple vacations, work 40 hours a week at that time period over the course of five years, and boom, you've accumulated your 10,000 hours. But Peter, you and I both know that, that there's a little bit of a racket going on with that because no entrepreneur who's striving to make their business successful typically will work 40 hours. They'll more like feel like it's 400. So we think that that window of time is shortened to about three years, but it's the amount of time spent that is the most important part, right? That's an amazing logarithm. I wonder who it was named after. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> or who taught it to me? That would be you. And that brings me to the next E, which is education. And you educated me on the formula that I have to repeat every show and make you all nervous and raise my blood pressure around getting the math right. But I would do. I would do something well. else to raise your blood pressure if that didn't work anyway. So. Yeah, you actually, your presence raises my pleasure. <laughs> and that's because it's always so exciting to be your co-host. 
It's not just excitement. <laughs> enthusiasm! Woo! <laughs> you always show up with so much enthusiasm, which makes it very fun. And so, yeah, and I have a lot of empathy for the engineer being in the studio with you. Well, what about empathy for our guest who just had to have me scream that, you know, enthusiasm and excitement into her ear, and now she can't hear anymore? What about that? Yeah, I know it. <laughs> and are you, I, I don't even know what to say about that. I hope she still has at least one eardrum left and, and can hear us as you do a fantastic ear, introduction. Because eardrum is, starts with an E2. Oh, wow. See, I didn't even catch that. Thanks. Thanks for educating me on that. Okay, we have one more E, and then we're going to meet our fabulous guest. And what is our final E that I love the most, Peter? I'm sorry, but you were not very empathetic, so I don't know if I can give you that E. Empathy yes, is one of our. You can't do the show without it. I was empathetic. I am empathetic. <laughs> but I'm also, I'm just going to say it. Grease I'm lightning is. Oh, Grease boy. lightning is electrifying. And so Yay! <laughs> All right, take it away. Thank you very much. So, our guest was actually on the show, but she couldn't complete it. She had an unexpected uh, situation, and very glad to have her back. You were there? I'm oh, here. The, the engineer, Yay! the engineer must have had an error. Okay, <laughs> he wanted to hit that. <laughs> yeah, end. That was not very empathetic. <laughs> so, quickly go about your company. It's uh, natural deodorant. What exactly is, is the product that you're selling? Yeah. So well, <laughs> we try to sell all kinds of products. No. We really focus on natural body care and the higher end, like luxury natural body care. And because I kept seeing the issue of like it's either natural, if it's really like crunchy and granola-like, or it's really like high end and it's not really natural. There's no happy medium of like let's just have really great products that are actually good for you. And this is super important because we actually came from breast cancer. So first of all, let's go over natural. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean... Does natural mean it has you know to be nature? Depending on who you ask, it's got different meanings. To me, it's like I know the ingredients, and I don't want to eat all the ingredients, but they could be food-grade ingredients in the sense of it's not made in a lab. There are natural ingredients. It is made from a flower. It is made from flour, it, uh, from the earth. It is made from growing. You know, it's not made in a lab with plastics and chemicals. Now, what about packaging? I know this is kind yeah. of a curveball here, right? But packaging, I always get concerned with biodegradable or, you know, what's doing to the environment. How does your packaging work? And I'm, this is kind of an off the one, so hopefully I didn't throw a big curveball in there, but how does that work? So our packaging is amazing, and we just actually just released our new makeup wipes. Like, our makeup wipes, the, packet, the actual wipe is made from bamboo and tree pulp. And our deodorant packaging is made from paper. <laughs> and we have one piece of recycled plastic in there because I think regular paper deodorant is gross. Because <laughs> um, it never holds up. Seriously, that goes back to our crunchy side, right? It just doesn't hold up. It, and your your deodorant is usually in your bathroom where your shower is and it's hot and humid. So we put one piece of recycled plastic in there just to make sure that it holds up and um, you don't have that gross feeling of trying to put wet paper together underneath your armpit. So even though you told us originally, I want to go back to that. How did you come up with this concept for your company? It originally started when my three friends were diagnosed with breast cancer. And their doctors came back and said, you know, it's not, it's just as important what you put on your body as what you put in your body. You know, we talk about 
how important food is and organic in this map. But nobody realizes that your biggest organ, and by the way, you guys, it's not what you think it is. <laughs> your biggest organ is my stomach. Uh, oh. your skin. Right. There you go. <laughs> now, um, it's actually your skin, and your skin absorbs everything that you put on it. So a lot of times you could eat great, but if you're in a toxic environment, you know, or, for example, women put 12 different products on their bodies in a day, and all of those ingredients times 12, Think about how many toxic products there are that we just put on our skin daily that we don't even think about. Isn't mostly, though, put on the face? I mean, there's a couple of you know, places here and there. I don't want to get too anatomical, but you know, pretty much most of it is on the face, correct? And most of it's involving chemicals to kind of make somebody look pretty or, or better. Or... Listen, I'm all for chemicals that make me look younger. Um, <laughs> but you don't need to look any now. younger. I don't. I don't know. It's fabulous. Uh, no, but, you know, it's actually everywhere. Think about it, right? If you shower, you don't just wash your face. You wash your whole body. So what's in your body wash? What's in your soap? What's in your shampoo that runs down your body as you wash it off? Right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, would, I would think the most chemicals I would put on my body probably are in shampoo. And it probably does cover everything, if I had to guess. Right. Oh, yeah, because guys do that all in one thing, right? You do it's a body wash and a shampoo all at once. Right? You guys are brilliant on that. Oh, to be a guy. Oh, to be a guy. Well, and don't forget the shaving cream you put on our face. Shaving cream you put on your face, depending on what kind of razor you have, if it's got any kind of plastic coating on it, if there's still anything in there. Yeah, I mean, we could go on and on, whether it use a beard oil, uh, whether you put pomade in your hair. And I'm going off the guy stuff. I mean, women are going to put lotion on their bodies as well. We'll put perfume on our bodies. We'll put, you know, and this is not our faces. This is our bodies. So how does your product help the people that, you know, your friends that were in bad situations? How would your product have helped them out? Absolutely. Well, one thing I didn't realize was that I was putting on an antiperspirant every single day. You guys wear those? You guys heard of those? And an antiperspirant actually <laughs> so you smell awesome all the time, naturally. So antiperspirant is actually an over-the-counter drug by the FDA. And wow. I had no idea that I was, yeah, did you know that? I had no idea. So now it's uh, yeah. CMD and uh <laughs> Now I got two. Right? Go so, so here I am trying to get all clean and, you know, eating all organic, and here I'm putting a drug right next to my breast every single day. Wow. And so I try to... You know, go natural and try natural deodorant. And Tracy, I don't know if you've ever tried a natural deodorant and what kind of experience you had, but it's usually not a good one. It yeah. wasn't a good one. <laughs> I like that you were just quiet. I was like, you know what? Because I got to tell you, if she had a good one, she'd be like, oh, I love mine, but it's usually silent. I was like worried, like, would I be insulting about that? That was just a horrible experience. Oh, <laughs> sucks. I was buying every natural. I think I bought the whole wall at Whole Foods. Like, seriously, and nothing worked. I was either smelly, I was getting a rash, like, it was just horrid, right? And I finally said, you know what, I give up. It was probably a year of just buying every natural deodorant I could get my hair wrong. And so a friend of mine's like, well, why don't you make it? And I'm like, because that's gross. Like, you make deodorant in your kitchen? And she's like, yeah. I make spaghetti there. make it. Right? But it was kind of like the same thing. It was like making a soup. It was really kind of interesting. And it solidifies into a stick. So I did. And I became obsessed. You guys, obsessed is like an understatement. You came to my house, I gave you a glass of wine, and then I had your two armpits. But, you know, and then, don't forget, 
you have two armpits. You got one formula on one and one on the other. And I became pretty much a mad scientist. And when I thought I, I got onto a very good recipe that I had made, I gave it to a friend of mine who was going through an early onset menopause from chemo. And she was a wreck. Like, she didn't want to leave the house because she was just smelly. And she called me crying. And she's like, I don't know what you put in here, but, like, I don't smell. I smell good. She's like, I left the house. My husband will talk to me. My kids are not avoiding me. Like, this is huge. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Are you telling me I just solved the problem? Hello, entrepreneurial mind, right? (laughs) I'm like, how do I scale this thing, right? And I had a business before that that I sold well too. So I'm like, okay, hold on. This is idea number two or 2022. And I was like, okay, let's make a business. Like, let's make this better. And I definitely saw some white space in the market in the sense of like it was either or, you know, it was either really expensive high end and it wasn't clean or it was like super organic crunchy and it was just super organic crunchy. And I didn't want that. You know, I wanted somewhere in the middle, like a really nice product that you're going to look at and you're not even going to think about it's natural. You're going to think this is just a great product, right? Natural is just like a bonus to it. And then you know you're not putting a, a drug on your body or your children's body. You know, I have three teenage daughters. And it just kills me that one in eight women are diagnosed with breast cancer. And this is something so simple just to remove off the body. You know, it's one less toxin that your body has to ingest, basically. So I don't want to get too technical on the medical side. Do you know sure. what has been linked? Is it alcohol? Or what is the linkage that you're aware of, if you know of any reports? of what is the linkage that may be a reason. It's not the definite reason, but a reason that's causing the breast cancer. Well, unfortunately, nowadays, I know all too well about breast cancer <laughs> because I was diagnosed a year ago. Oh, no, and, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, you know, listen, survival rates of breast cancer are 95%. You know, it just sucks to be a woman. Like, we have to have our periods and we go through menopause. And, oh, by the way, one in eight of us are going to get breast cancer now, too. So... Ah, I need to be a man again, right? <laughs> um, Peter, how much empathy do you have right now? I just want to know how much empathy do you have uh, the right te- now the for tears, everything she The tears are coming down my eyes. Oh, my <laughs> God, the violin's playing in the background. Jeez. Jeez. But you know what, though? It was, so I know all too well. You know, one of the things that they ask you about, that they tell you, basically, weight is a big issue with breast cancer because fat cells actually have, uh, give off hormones. And... 85% of breast cancer is hormonal, just an FYI. So when our hormones go crazy, we're not only going mental on the guys around us, but our body's going mental as well. And that does lead to breast cancer. And there's so many things that can mess your hormones up. And some of those are parabens that are, you know, ingest, like, seep in through the skin. So anything that interferes with your endocrine or your hormones is a link to breast cancer. So why do you think the FDA is still allowing stuff like that, these companies, to be able to sell this over-the-counter? Why wouldn't they put some warnings um, on it? Peter, I mean, that's the magical question, right? I mean, come on. We used baby powder that had talc on it on kids for a long, right? And now they're like, oh, that causes ovarian cancer. And we were putting it on our children up to, what, five years ago? Well, I never right? heard of it. Listen, I had, you know, the talcum powder was used my entire life, you know, when I was younger. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And now there's a link to cancer with it. You know, it's, that's the magic question. 
I spoke with an FDA scientist, and he said to me that their job was to measure the amount of aluminum inside an antiperspirant. So my question to him was, have you guys ever measured it over a period of 10, 20, 30 years? And they said, no, because nobody's ever asked us to do that. Wow. <laughs> That's funny. Right? Yeah, it's like... So, yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, okay. And if you look at most things, they'll tell you that the amount of something in something is a small amount, right? That's what you always hear. Oh, there's a little bit of fluoride in the water, but it's a small amount per water dose, right? I use it on my toothpaste. Right, right. You know, but if somebody overuses it or they use it over the course of 40, 50 years, I mean, I'm just using fluoride as an example. I'm not saying fluoride's bad. By the way, you guys, don't don't hate on me here. I'm just using it as an example. I'm throwing, um, I'm throwing but, my curse out. Go ahead. <laughs> but, then he's going to have empathy right there. He's like, are you making me give away my quest? No, no, but I won't have any teeth um, tomorrow, but that's okay. You'll have teeth. You know, when you talk to a dentist, they'll tell you, by the way. But the brushing aspect is much more important than what you put on the brush. Did you know that? I actually thought flossing was, but okay. Well, flossing's huge too, right? Yeah. But if you don't brush, like, flossing doesn't necessarily matter either, right? Because your teeth are going to be nasty. <laughs> like, do not talk to me with teeth that you, you never brush. But, yeah, so that's something that I'm comfortable in saying that there is a link to. There is hormonal endocrine aspect definitely has a huge play in breast cancer. And there's a lot of things that will raise those hormone levels or mess with the, your, you know, the endocrine levels. And alcohol is one of them. Stress is a big one. And women are very stressed out, you know, because we have empathy, just saying. But stress is one. Environmental factors. You know, you've heard a lot of people talk about changing their laundry detergent. You know, even the stuff you get from the dry cleaners. You know, the chemicals we use for that and you put it right on your skin and it absorbs that. So there's a lot of stuff environmentally that is, is a big deal. The weight issue is a big deal. For me, I'm Ashkenazi Jew, and that gives me a higher level of getting breast cancer as well. Tracy, you had to pivot because that's her favorite word. She doesn't believe in E's. She believes in P's. And actually, my name is Peter, so maybe that's why it has something to do with that. But she's going to pivot. Yes, I am going to pivot. Okay, so I think what a lot of people know or want to know that you do know is how do you go from test policy deodorant under friends' armpits with wine to a full-on scalable business? Like, it's, I know that we talked about A and we talked about Z, but we need a little B, C, D, E, F. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, the first I thought about it, I was like, you know, listen, I need to get this to more armpits, right? Because it's all about the armpits here. How do I scale it to get to more armpits? And, you know, e-commerce is just starting, and I could barely program my phone, so I wasn't going to go down that route, even though it's probably smarter looking back. But I lived in Las Vegas, and we had all of these spas, all of these spas that um, on the strip. And I'm like, you know what? Millions of people go to these spas, and I could get in front of millions of people, and they need to carry my product. Like, that was literally in my head, right? And if I could get into every single spa, then somebody's going to want to take over my business or buy it or whatever, you know, and there'll be more spas and more spas and we'll be the spa deodorant. That's originally where I was going with it, right, was getting people healthier one armpit at a time. And so I took a little baggie, 
this is do not advise this for anyone. My daughter's lunch wrap bag, and I filled it up with deodorant, and I started in the Las Vegas Strip. I started walking down the Strip, knocking on every spa door from all the major casinos. And out of 15 of them, 14 of them asked me kindly to leave every single time. Was it kindly oh, or was no. it get out? Yeah, and one, a couple of them asked, you know, for security to come if I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but I think no is just a suggestion. So I kept going, and there was, I remember we went to the to Four Seasons, and if you know where the Four Seasons is in Las Vegas, you know that there's absolutely nothing on the other side of the Four Seasons. Like, it is your last stop. So I was determined to get a yes, and I got a maybe. I got I hate your packaging. Please make it prettier and then come back and see me and I'll give you a PO, which is a maybe to me. So I changed my packaging. I went back. The Four Seasons was their very first client. They sold out in three days. And I'm like, ooh, I could keep doing this over and over again. You know, and then it was get up and go. You know, I mean, we went to 400, we were in 400 spas within three years of that. So Wait, say that um, again? 400 we were in spas. 400 spas within three years of that. And so yeah. you're a mom, a wife, a mother, yeah. well, we said mom, yeah. that you have three teenage daughters, you're a wife, yeah. you have a life, or you don't have a life, because how do you manage <laughs> 400 stores in three years? And I'm assuming, was that all also during COVID as well? Yeah, and I was a single mom at the time, too. So, um, wow. yeah, so listen, you know, I got resourceful. Like, if we needed labels put on product, we called my kids' friends and everybody came over, you know, and I would bribe them with product and pizza, you know, and I literally I had kids putting labels on for the first couple of years until we got a manufacturer. You know, we had to get to a point of getting a manufacturer. And so I was just super, I don't remember much. I think I just didn't sleep for like three years. It was just nonstop, go, 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 go. And you know what I did too was, you know, our top brands, our top spas, I would go to them, you know, I would say, hey, listen, we were very strategic about it. We were like, what are the top spas in the country? Kenny Ranch, Miraval. All right, who do I know and who can I get there? How can I get in there? And we had Kenny Ranch and Miraval within a year. And once we had those two, it was really easy to go to another spa and say, hey, we're already in Kenny Ranch and Miraval. And they're like, oh, we'll take you too. So it's like, you know what, I, we tackled the big mountain first, and it made it a lot easier to get the rest of the spas at that point. It was harder to scale that way, though, because it's a whole bunch of individual spots, right? And I didn't know about that. I didn't realize what that meant to my scaling at that point. I learned that later on. And I actually learned that during COVID, because we ended up working with Alaska Airlines, Southwest Airlines, and a couple of major hotel groups during COVID, and I was like, wait a minute, this is the way to go, right? This is what scaling is. When you're getting POs that are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, right, and from one place. And you didn't have to work as hard as you do trying to scale to 400 locations, right? I was just going to say, but, I mean, you had to really navigate, I mean, are you self-funding everything at this point, or did you raise capital? I mean, because everything that you're saying sounds amazing, but also sounds really expensive other than the pizza and the and the teenage girls putting the labels on there. Right? Yeah, that's not amazing. That was not amazing. That was not fun at all. Um, so my kids literally do not want to work for me ever again. 
Um, but it's interesting because I thought if you just make a product and sell it, that that's all you have to do. Right? I mean, it's not true. It's so not true. Not with consumer goods. Because you got to look at by the time you order your bottles, by the time those things come in, by the time you get filled, by the time, you know, you even get it on a shelf somewhere or to Amazon or onto your own website, you've already paid two major manufacturers, which is the majority of the cost of your goods, right? And then you're not even getting paid till maybe even sometimes net 30, 30 days after itself. You know, we worked with QVC for a while, and they would pay us like 60 days after. After we got an air date, and we had to give them product two months before we even got an air date. So we're looking at like a six-month payment cycle, which is it's very unsustainable in a uh, consumer brand, unless you have like 15 years and it's just a lifestyle brand and you don't care if you ever sell and, you know, you could take your time. So we had to raise money because I was lucky. Listen, I had a business before this. I sold it. I sold it well. I didn't have to take an income for a couple of years, you know, and I was, we ran really lean, super, super lean, right? And I could negotiate anything. So we negotiated the prices of everything. So we were super, super, you know, bootstrapped and lean. But after a while, I remember, I think it was QVC. When we got QVC, we had to raise capital. And oh my God, I hated it. I hated every bit of raising capital. Can't stand it. Still can't. The thought of it gets well, me Well, I think we were just starting to get into a topic that our audience never tires of because everyone who is bootstrapping a business who knows they have, you know, you have proven a track record with, with your sales, with your vendors, with, you know, you have this really big opportunity to grow, but you have to build that bridge and cash flow. And like you were saying with QBC, I mean, that's a major commitment on so many levels. So raising capital is, sounds like it, your part of the journey story was that it was inevitable. It had to happen. What were some of the pitfalls and then what led to that big first coup, if you will? Yeah, so, you know, we had to do it just for cash flow purposes. It wasn't that we weren't selling or anything like that. It was just to get, you know, the more you grow, the more you you really do have to spend. And, you know, I didn't come from a, a venture capital background, right? You're talking about the mom, right? And I, I did have a small business, but it had nothing to do with venture capital whatsoever. So I would go to these places and everybody in there is like 25, right, with their hoodies. And they're like, Picture, you know, a staff. And I'm like, pitch? What pitch? Oh, don't you have a deck? What's a deck? <laughs> like, I had no idea, right? So I figured out how to put a deck together. I literally went to UNLV to the college, right? And I'm like, who knows how to do a deck? What does it look like? And once I saw it, I was like, okay, I could do this, right? And I watched some pitch competitions. And I'm like, oh, that was a piece of cake. So we started doing pitch competitions. And I'm like, okay, so then people start giving you money, right? And I'm like, no. I mean, literally, it's soul crushing. I mean, I would pitch and people would be like, yeah, that's a great hobby. Thanks a lot. And literally pat me on the back, you know, on the back of my head. Or, you know, they crush my dreams by lunchtime and then dinner time. Tell me that, you know, this is useless. I mean, you have to go through like 50 to 60 people just to get like one or two yeses. So you're getting like 45 no's and everybody's got an opinion on your business as well. And then trying to get in front of those people. Like, you know, where do you find them? I would like Silicon Valley or everybody's trying to go for the guys in Silicon Valley or I would get these lists that were like 
400 names, and they're like, call all of them. Like, and what? Like, you're just cold calling people, asking them to invest in, like, your life dream, right? And they're going to tell you that it's stupid. You know what I mean? It was just like, I even had, and I, I'm sorry, guys, but this really did happen. Somebody said, bring a man into the meeting. So I asked one of my buddies to go with me, and they directed all the conversations to him. And or I had other friends that we, you know, we would go in and pitch at the same time, and they would ask the guys all these technical questions, and then they would ask me. And it was funny, between our two businesses, mine was actually the cash flow positive one, right? And they would ask them all these technical questions, and they would get really techy with them. And with me, they would look at me and be like, no, I should ask my wife what deodorant she wears. And I'm like, when does your wife make decisions in your venture fund? Like, I'm like, okay. You know, and I wouldn't get asked any technical questions. You know, like, what is my, you know, addressable market? Like, who's really looking for this? Who are your competitors? Like, very few questions like that. So it is a real learning curve. What I found, and any founders that are listening, you know, was the easiest way to find people to invest in your company is to talk to other entrepreneurs. I got to tell you guys, the entrepreneur community was awesome. My friends that had businesses were like, hey, you know, let me introduce you to my VC or let me introduce you to the angel that invested with me. I got so many amazing introductions from other entrepreneurs and those were the majority of people that ended up investing with us. You know, and after we did it, you know, after I raised capital the first time, the second, you know, we had to do a little bridge round uh, one more time. It was much easier to do. Still don't like it, but it was much easier to do. <laughs> and so anybody who's out there, if you don't know where to begin, find somebody who's had you know, a company that people invested in, right? And it wasn't just like their dad invested in. Well, actually, I take that back. Even if their dad invested, ask him who his friends are because a lot of times investors invest together, you know, so it can be a warm introduction to a group of people that will invest. So that's what I found. But it took me a good six months to figure that out. And it was a painful six months, you know, of like, we're, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. All day long. Tracy, you had some questions for Ira regarding how people can contact, connect, and get discounts. So how is that going to work? Yes, absolutely. So we love learning so much about your product. And I know there are a lot of people out there who want to sample it, buy it, get it for their sisters, their mothers, their daughters. What is the best way for people to connect with you and connect with your product? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Our, new, our website, we actually just launched a new website. And it's freedomdeodorant.com or freedomdeo.com, show for deodorant. So if you check out our website, our new natural makeup wipes are out. They're amazing, or they'll be, they'll be coming out. Made with bamboo and tree pulp, all clean ingredients, makeup wipes, great to grab with you. They're individually packed so you can take them on vacation and not worry about them drying out. Because girls, we've all been there. We've had to add water to it. And Peter, I know you, you really have makeup wipes. I know you do. Excuse me? And that's with the knee? <laughs> And so, and our deodorants, our deodorants are unisex, you guys. So men love our bergamot mint, our cocoa, and our unscented deodorant. Men really love the unscented deodorant. And by the way, our number one seller for the guys and the girls, okay, is our eucalyptus shower spray. 
It is eucalyptus. Uh, yes, exactly. And it begins with an E. It does. It does. Because our code is Brian with an E, 25. Brian with an E, 25. B-R-I-E-N 25. That's, that's my, that's my age. <laughs> oh, wow. Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if y'all are going to lie, I'm just going to let you lie, but I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's not my age, but it is a hell of a promo pick. I mean, what the heck? It's a promo pick. Part of my age. Oh, and Tracy, it's part of it. There's, there's 25 years in there somewhere. <laughs> there is. I'm oh. 25 years of my age too. Okay, listen, everybody, if you have just enjoyed this so much, but you don't have a pen to write all of that great information that we just said down, make sure you go to our podcast, which, again, is the Ask Brian podcast on all the listening platforms, which Spotify, Apple, iHeart, all the places where you find your favorite podcast, you'll find the Ask Brian podcast, and you will also find links. So you will be able to go to the show notes of the podcast. We're going to link freedomdeodorant.com. In the show notes, we are going to put the Brian25 code in the show notes so you can not only order but share the podcast with your friends. And we are just so excited that we got to have you on the show. And, Peter, do you want to take us out with another one last burning desire question? Well, we have a few. But first of all, what was the greatest challenge in getting this off the ground other than going from spa to spa on the Las Vegas Strip? <laughs> that sounds like fun, though. Hey, I want to go. <laughs> but I, I might get stopped at the crafts table because I like crafts, but okay. Yeah, well, remember, Vegas is not built on winners. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, no, I, I think building the team was one of the hardest things. Still hardest. Still a challenge. Finding great people to, to build a team with has been a real challenge, especially during COVID, you know, and especially during this whole quietly quitting stuff. You know, and then everybody's remote. It's it's just the new, uh, navigating the new norm of uh, creating the company on that. So what do you look for when you're building your team? What's the best quality that you found that actually correlates with success? So funny that somebody asked me that during COVID, and I said at that point, you know, I was like, are they breathing? <laughs> um, you know, so hard. They have a bad cough, um, sorry. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, entrepreneurial spirit, you have to have that if you work for a startup. Because Startups, you know, just, they're not so structured like a big corporation is. And you really need somebody who's got that drive. Somebody who really wants to explore and try new things. And that's the beauty of a startup, right? You could try, you could break stuff, you know, you could fix stuff. You got to have that entrepreneurial spirit. So whenever I hear stories when we're interviewing people, like they started a business when they were in high school. Or, you know, they sold a uh, uh, trading cards when they're with their buddies and they did this and they did, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. I love, 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 love. Not always the best tire, but that is, that for me is a sign. Like if you come to me and tell me that you had the highest college degree and you graduated with the best grade, I'm chances are I'm not going to hire you. Well, that's a really interesting thing. Now, I would actually think of it the opposite way. If you have this entrepreneurial spirit and you're working at the company and you meet enough connections, you may want to try to compete with me or do your own thing, and then I might lose you. So, I mean, it could work that way. Well, you know what, though? Yeah, but I want you to. Go for it. Like, you grow. We're going to sell my company eventually anyway, right? So if you're going to be really good and get my company to that next level, and you're going to go start your own business, of course, we don't want to lose you. But the whole goal is we're going to sell in the next couple of years anyway. 
And I want to fund your company if you're really that good. So we have about 40 seconds left. One of the things you had said was you had another company or another business before this. Mm -hmm. What was that other business? Yeah, I worked for Merrill Lynch and uh, Citigroup for a long time until I went off and started my own financial services uh, firm. I had that for 12 years. Well, that's not an easy thing to Nothing do. Nothing would have Nothing was easy about that. <laughs> no, there was, I was the only female broker with Merrill Lynch. There was three of us in an office of 47 on three floors in downtown LA. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a beast. I'm like a glutton for punishment. I swear, I keep going into these places. It was all, I'm like, Not only that, but you were on the show twice. Location. I know. I'm an overachiever. I have twins too. <laughs> Total overachiever. <laughs> All right. Well, we certainly appreciate it. We're going to have you an update for you or have you come back on the show maybe in six months or a year because oh. we want to find out how everything has gone over the last mm. year. We certainly appreciate yep. it. And we're grateful that, to have you on the show. Grateful that everything is working out with your family. And thank uh, you. Thank you very much. We're listening to the S. Brian Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.